I'm your host, Jacqueline Marfuji, and I have so much in store for you this week. We're talking lots of things. It's very exciting. I want to wish everyone a very happy International Women's Day. Uh, it was yesterday, and it was really cool to see everyone's posts and very, very inspiring. And I actually, I had a little girl in the fitness class that I teach, Plyo Jam, which by the way, a lot of you have been writing in asking what my teaching schedule in Los Angeles is. So you can go on social media, just go to at Jacqueline Marfuji and everything will be posted there. But I had a little girl in the class and she was just keeping up with every other lady, female, just badass chick in the class and it was really inspiring to see her you know really excited to be there and wanting to dance and just have a good time and I don't know it was just really cool so I think right now we should all just be focusing on the next generation coming up um I have a very cool guest this week, and before we get to her, I also just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Guys, we have another week with Yoga Glow. They're sponsoring the podcast, and it's so, so cool. You get two weeks for just $18 when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash jersey. It's something you can do anywhere as long as there's Wi-Fi, you have a phone or a computer. It's awesome and I definitely recommend it. So I just want to say thank you, Yoga Glow. You meatballs should definitely try it out. I've been doing it. I'm obsessed with it. I've been noticing such great changes, not just physically, but mentally, which I think is really important. So definitely check out Yoga Glow and use the promo code jersey. Guys, I am so excited and I keep saying to my guest, I'm so excited. I feel like Jessie Spano from Save by the Bell when she was on too much Adderall. I think that was Adderall that she was taking in that episode with Zach Morris. I'm so excited. I'm so, so scared. Do you remember You're that? You're so goofy. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm sorry. I love Save by the Bell. Anyway, I also love my guest this week. I'm so excited again to have you here. Guys. Oh, I feel like you have all the credits and they're so prestigious and cool. Oh, you are goals. True. No, just I'm just going to list a few. Um, you've written a book. That's that's yeah. a big deal. Pit to LAX, my story worthy life. And you did and, that really well. A lot of people don't pronounce that correctly, but it's, oh. it's airline codes. Because I used to be a flight attendant, so it was Pitt and LAX. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. <laughs> she's the first guest I've ever had on What's Your Jersey that actually wore a football jersey to our show, guys. Uh, you also hosted a really cool show on the USA Network that was called Ready for the Weekend Movies. Uh, she has an amazing podcast. You're the host of, producer of Storyworthy. You performed all over Los Angeles, and you've won the Moth Storytelling Competition three times? Yeah. Three? Yeah. Three times. Times. You've been in the Peace Corps. <laughs> you've been a flight attendant. Yeah, so there's stories. You're a mom. You're an angel-voiced Girl Scout cookie giving host. <laughs> Guys, I went to her house to do her podcast and she gave me Girl Scout cookies. I'm just going to announce you. Welcome to the podcast, Aww, Christine so Blackburn. Thanks, Jacqueline. I'm happy to be here. I love your voice. I just want you to talk for hours. Really? But I won't keep you for hours. Wow. You... Some people have said it's very annoying. What? I swear to God. 
Give me their number. I'll make one phone call and we can get rid of them. My first husband was a musician and he would say that no matter where he was playing, whatever gig it was in, he could pinpoint and hear my voice above the crowd. What? I know, but he said that not in a good way. It was in a negative way. Like it's so, the pitch or something about it is so not pleasing to him. Oh, God. I should have known. I yeah, know. That was your key moment. I would have been like, thank you. You're so obsessed with me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> God, dating a musician. Would you ever do that again? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I would never. I would never. But it was just that circumstance. I was very young at the time. And he, uh, you know, I was only 19 when I met my first husband. Whoa. And he was 31. No, it's the age difference. I was 19 and he was 31. And that's a big difference at that time. It might not be later, you know, like 41 and that's 29 fine. or something. Because you've lived that. But if you're 31 and you want to date a teenager, that's weird. Yeah, did everyone say that to him when he I, was I, dating? I don't know what it was all about, man. But I'm glad that... It only took, you know, maybe five years of my life. So, you know, all in all, if you're going to live 80, let's hope for 80 years. Yeah. And five of them, I was married to this guy, you know. That's okay. Yeah. Um, we're done. I got a couple of stories out of it. <laughs> he got another girl pregnant, you know. Did, during your marriage? Yeah. Shut up. True. How how do you deal with that? What did you do? Did he tell you or did you find no, out? No, I found out. It, it, you know, it's a long story in itself, Jacqueline. That's okay. Well, you know, honestly, to recap that, it, I <laughs> I was a flight attendant at the time. He was a musician. Yeah. And he had been seeing this girl. Um, I found a, a card in his van, like a Christmas card. And it, in, in the card was written, you know, a note from this girl. And I realized who it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he moved out. And, and then he had his grandmother write me a letter and tell me. To give him an easy divorce. What? Because he was having a child with the girl. Why his grandmother? I don't know, man. It was so crazy. But I was so young and I, I just idolized him for so many of the wrong reasons and Is you know, just looking just musician? looking for attention. No, not he's okay. not famous at all. In fact, that's the funny part about it, you know, like he's so nobody, but for some reason I idolized him. Because I was just really naive. It happens. You're yeah, 19. Yeah, well, when you're young. Exactly. And if you're not, if you had, didn't, you know, if you've had some rough teenage years and you're in college and you're uninterested in school and you just want to fantasize and romanticize, you yeah. know, being married to a rock star, like being their muse, that was what I wanted. I wanted to be like a Linda McCartney. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? And so I thought, so mean, meanwhile, I, I just, through that whole experience, I realized at the end that I don't have to focus on somebody else's life I can focus on my own Thank but God. it's hard to be empowered though sometimes and for a lot of women it is it's so hard it's so funny you brought that up actually because I'm not a big yeah. huge fan of Kim Kardashian but she just spoke at this um, create and cultivate conference yeah that a lot of podcasters did and one of the number one things she said that was really important she said by taking time for yourself mm-hmm. you'll find inspiration in unexpected places and you won't exhaust yourself if you're too burnt out on work and focusing on other people then you'll half-ass things and she said even though that she has children and a husband and a huge family like the most important thing is to actually focus on yourself yeah well she also has the luxury to, <laughs> to take that time and uh i know but 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 I, I know what you're saying i hear you yeah it's a lot <laughs> we're throwing some shade on kimmy k it's fine <laughs> um no but in that experience i feel like a 
you look like a 19 year old bombshell right now yeah so right. i can't imagine what no guys she literally is sitting on my couch in the cutest jersey with the cutest little jean <laughs> shorts on but i i'm sure he was enamored by you and also just i don't know it happens i feel like with like a teenager and a young person like you can get caught up in that yeah it can it's just unfortunate and i hope that my daughter never has to um make big mistakes like that it yeah. was just a big mistake and and i sometimes i think like why didn't anybody ever tell me like this guy you know he he wore a hairpiece for goodness sake Whoa. he wore a hairpiece which i didn't even know till i was dating him for like a month a hairpiece yeah like hair extensions no a piece <laughs> like a piece like on top of the closet there was a styrofoam a styrofoam wig form whoa it was so creepy wow i pretended like it didn't bother me but it did bother me that does bother you it did bother that's me that's fine yeah, did he like, get that like in the divorce? Big, it was like a big secret, you know? Oh, God. I know. That's another clue you should have known at that point. There would be like these um, double-sided sticky tape tabs on the bathroom floor from where Howie, you know, attached it onto his head. Like the boob tape that like yeah, it's like the same tape. Yeah, it's the same tape <laughs> you put on your, on your dress. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's that's know, not so okay. Creepy. That's anyway, a turn off. So all of that's a turn off. I know. So what was I, what was I doing? It's I was okay. just super young. Anyway, but the good news is I came out of that. And you have an awesome daughter out of it. Well, no, not out of him. Not out of him? Oh, okay. That was when I was only... I didn't have my daughter until I was 41. (laughs) I know. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah, I waited. And I... The first time I tried to get pregnant in my whole life. Uh Uh-huh. Like, for real. Like, without... Because I used to have that Norplant was inserted in my arm for 10 years. Then I took birth control pills, of course. And I had all this birth control. Always guarding the goalie, as it were. (laughs) And... The first time with my husband, my second husband. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, the first time we tried to have a baby without birth control, I got pregnant. The first time? Yeah, I swear to God, like she was so meant to be. This that baby. was definitely meant to be because I, know, I do not amazing? hear that a lot now. Boom. Yeah. Well, although I also heard though that if you do pull the goalie, like your eggs have been waiting so long and that they're they like give almost it to get me? more fertile as you get older. Yeah, because they. Uh, something biological, I'm sure. But anyway. Wow. I got a perfect child. So that, that worked out. How old is she now? She's 11. She's 11. In fifth grade. That's elementary school. Oh. And she'll be going then to junior high school next year or middle school, whatever. You're in for it. These oh years coming God. up. Oh Woo! God, I'm already in for it. Oh, is she a She's sassy little thing now? Oh, so sassy. So sassy. It's, How do you deal with it? really hard to believe. I just start laughing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I look at her and say, baby, what are you, ta- what are you doing? Like, you, <laughs> she, she can't just say that, man. Like, what are, like, and I know I can't be her friend. I have to be her mom. So there's that fine line of you know, being the disciplinarian. And then also just being like, you're such a knucklehead. You know, like, is she like you? Goofy. She is like me. <laughs> she, she is like me a lot. She is. She's a good girl. She uh, really enjoys dancing. And um, I was just going to ask, is she into performing arts? Yeah. She's into hip hop is what she's into. Yes. And isn't that crazy? You should bring her to my class that I teach. Do you teach She would love class? it. Oh, wow. I do a lot of hip hop dances in the class. Yeah, that's She'd hard be... to do. I find that hard. How, how long have you been doing that? Well, I've been doing hip hop dancing yeah. f- since, God, 
over 20 years now. Really? So yeah. even when you in growing up in New Jersey, you took hip hop hip hop classes. Yeah, I I and back in the day was on competition teams and we would do also ballet, tap, jazz, but hip hop was definitely something that I always like gravitated towards. No kidding. And so oh, you've yeah. been dancing like your whole life. Whole life, yeah. And so how has that made you <laughs> the person you are? Seriously, in terms um, of like you obviously carry yourself beautifully like oh, grace as it were yeah but what else uh i think dance for me like if ever i was going through a tough time or frustrated with anything that was my go-to place like i would literally lock myself in like the basement of my parents house and just dance out all the frustration so for me dance was always therapy wow dance it out Dance it out. I'm going to tell my know? daughter that. You know what, Alabama? Just go dance it out. Oh, God. And her name's Alabama. Is that after Shh. True Romance? It is after True Romance. Really? Yes. Oh, it God, is. I Alabama Whirly. But I don't tell her that because, yeah, you of can't course, tell her that. you know, she was a yeah. prostitute in that movie. And so. Well, I like. Uh, God, I forget that. I think it was called Match Point. There was a movie where Scarlett Johansson, her name was Nola. Oh, yeah. In the movie. And I always loved that I name. I like that name, too. And I love New Orleans. Yeah. And so when I was younger, I used to always say, like, I would name my daughter Nola. But in the movie, like, she's like the mistress and gets killed at the end. Yeah, you just go with that you named her after New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and I tell my daughter I named her after um, the Neil Young song, Alabama. Oh. Uh, and so that's better, although she does not like that song. And, of course, she doesn't like she doesn't like the Skinner song either. And I, I get it. I get it. But anyway, she um, that's a great idea for therapy to just dance it out. And, dance and it she out. does do that in you know, dancing around the, the living room, but I never thought that she was actually working through something. Working through- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's true. All Try right. it right next on. time. I also do and I recommend this to you, meatballs. I call my listeners meatballs. Oh, that's a um, perfectionist. Right? It's a thing. See, I normally have meatballs, but they didn't have meatballs at the place I go to. So Christine got mozzarella balls instead today. Yeah. And some <laughs> amazing uh, thin, dark, thin, dark chocolate pretzels and pita crisps. I had to raise the bar. You gave me two boxes of Girl Scout cookies, yeah, which I finished in was, one sitting. That was exciting. It was it pretty was, epic. You did not finish those. I finished the Samoas in like two sittings. <laughs> it was like two nights of watching, like catching up on TV, like uh-huh. binge watching. Yeah. That's my favorite. I know. What's your favorite? I go the Samoa or the Thin Mints, a classic. You like Thin Mints? I could okay. put down a sleeve of Thin Mints in like <laughs> 10 minutes. That sounded so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, wait, what was the point of that? Me- oh, meatballs. Okay. I recommend doing this. If you want to just wake yourself up in the morning, I do something called morning mirror dance. And you just put on a song that makes you happy and you just dance it out in the mirror for like a minute. You don't have to do the whole yeah. entire song. Yeah. And it just gets the juices flowing and it, it's kind of silly and you can do whatever you want. That's I should, sweet. I should start posting those. You should. Yeah. That's sweet. Right? You, you dancing in the mirror. Yeah. Just me yeah. dancing in the mirror. And give me two song examples. Um, Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars is a good yeah. one. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a showstopper. Right? Like, no, you like you cannot be having a bad day when you that song comes on. You cannot not dance to that song. Yeah. It's like the it's the same as the Justin Timberlake song. Exactly. The, the, well, also the Bruno Mars 24 karat whatever uh, that one is. Yeah. But the Justin Timberlake one, which one can I get out of my mind except for when I'm trying to pinpoint. <laughs> They're just so catchy. Which these one? Guys. Is it Oh, the troll song, the happy not happy. Yeah, when you're happy and the no, can't no. stop the feeling. Yeah, that yeah. one. Can't stop the feeling. Uh, that song I, makes I, me I, angry I, though. I, it's like it he's does. like begging you to 
just be cheery and br- I don't know why. I don't know. I think it's uplifting. I, I you know, you hear that and you hear, you know, seriously, you're the football girl. You think of the stadium of people. That's I'd rather true. them play that yeah. than play, you know, then when sometimes when they take it, like when you go to a hockey game, they kick it all the way back to like the early 70s music. I love that. I love like classic rock. You do? Yeah. Wow. But certain kinds. Yeah. I'm not. Van Halen? No, I was that's more... what will happen at the hockey game. They'll play that David Lee Roth jump song. That's and too I much. can't I'm done. Or they'll do the, the, the song where everybody screams. The one, you know, the one that they, every stadium the, uses. A lot of Queen. I feel like there's a lot of You know, they do do a lot of Queen, but for yeah. some reason that holds up for me. Yeah, that doesn't bother you. I give an exception <laughs> to Queen. That's cool. I really do. That that is um Freddie Mercury was such a performer. I mean just Oh yeah, really one of the best. So I, I, I'm gonna give them a pass, but I don't need sticks anymore. I also no, don't I'm good need, without that. Need Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I could do without that too. I can do without. I my classic rock choices were like I like old school Aerosmith. That's my favorite. Yeah, like one of the other good mirror dance songs is "Walk This Way." Yeah, with them and Run DMC. So. Anyway. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right, I'm going to try it's that. I'll try it with my daughter. I want you to tell the meatballs um, what your podcast is about, though, and like what you like oh. to talk about. Well, you know, um, story worthy. We we will celebrate our eighth year in July, and when I say we, I mean me. Mm-hmm. And I started it in 2010. It's kind of a combination of going to a lot of moths, which are this, like you mentioned earlier, a storytelling show. I was going to a lot of those. Uh, around that time in 2010 and I always really enjoyed listening to other people's stories but when their story would be over I would have questions and they would be gone they would be off the stage and then the next person comes on and another story and then I would have questions for that person and they'd be gone and so at some point I started following people after the show (laughs) to ask the questions that got awkward. Um, no, but anyway, so it was a combination of doing a lot of moths and hearing other people's stories and being naturally curious. And then also Adam Carolla, um, he he started his podcast in 2009. And I've always been a big, huge Adam Carolla fan. And he just made, he had made that jump from terrestrial radio. And he just, he showed me anyway and everybody that podcasting is possible that you could do it at all and then Mark Marin started his show and then I started mine and so it was a much narrower field at that time as you know it's very true so since then I've had about 485 episodes your episode's going up on March 5th Woo-hoo. coming up it's called Sudden Death with no. Jacqueline Marfuji Sudden Death oh I like that it's That's like a double called. entendre yeah I know it's so <laughs> exciting and uh, you're like I think I believe you're like my 484th show oh I feel so special so <laughs> I've had lots of guests and lots of good times um, so the yeah so the guest comes on tells a true story whatever they want to talk about and then we pick up the interview from there so it's not long form interview like where are you from and yeah. what do you do it's more like um, wait a minute you you just mentioned whatever in the story. Let's go further. I The reason why I was so excited, well, there's many reasons why I was excited to have you on, but the title of this podcast is What's Your Jersey, which means basically where are you from? Right. What's your story? Right. And so I feel like you're the perfect guest, and I feel like you've also lived 10 lives. I know I have. Your story is so interesting, and I've heard you tell it on a lot of podcasts, and you're probably yeah. sick of telling it. No, no, no. It's, it is what it is. But, <laughs> you live your life, and then that's the cards you're dealt, and then 
it's not like sometimes people have told me that I that they think I'm strong or I'm you know a survivor and I am but mm-hmm. I feel like everybody is she's a cancer survivor guys yeah but more than that even mm-hmm. though you know like divorces and just you know you know death and you know what everybody goes through I guess is what I'm saying so I don't feel like my story is extraordinary mm-hmm. there's plenty of cancer survivors and there's plenty of people that have dealt with divorce you know so it's not that it's extraordinary uh it's just that it all happened in one life <laughs> it all happened you've just hit a lot of the marks yeah that's all <laughs> that's okay so you grew up in pittsburgh i know yes it's true that's I crazy still go back there yeah, i my love mom people is there, from pittsburgh. my four sisters and a brother Oh, wow. Big down and dirty Pittsburgh, man. It's full yeah. on. Yeah. No, I feel I like... I still say Jagoff. <laughs> Can you tell the meatballs some Pittsburgh-isms? Yin's guys. What Yin's does Yin's guys mean? Yin's guys. Is you guys, it you guys, guys? You know, come on up. My mom's going to run up the house. <laughs> you know, don't fight with your brother. Oh, God. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's like a different language. Yeah, it is and it isn't. It's just very... Um, casual (laughs) but Pittsburgh people are generally very very cool I have that experience as well with um with Boston people and with Philadelphia people Mm -hmm. St. Louis people where are you from New Jersey from New Jersey people (laughs) thank you Christine there's definitely a Midwest you know flavor to really every other city outside of Los Angeles every other city but Los Angeles (laughs) you you have you're a little scrappy a little scrappy (laughs) I feel like you're a little roughed up yeah yeah not that people from Los Angeles haven't lived, but I don't know. I feel like there's something you carry around, like a badge of honor. Like you're just kind of tough almost. Who, me? No, just people from like the East Coast. Oh, from the East Coast. Yeah. Midwest. Yes. Yeah. Because first of all, you got here to LA. You left. You left the comfort of your home. And even if like Pittsburgh has 75% gray days, it's still a very hard place to leave. It's very comfortable. It's cheap. Yeah. There is a lot of culture there. There's great hospitals there. It's very beautiful there sometimes. You know, they've got good sports teams and they've got, you know, um, I was going to say good restaurants, but really not that great. (laughs) I feel like they're coming up in the restaurant world. Well, I think all those Midwest cities are. I just, I'm not a chain person, you know, so like I'm, you don't love a good chain. I, you're not going to find me at the Olive Garden. Do you go to the Olive Garden? Okay. Until I moved to LA, I hated chain restaurants because in Jersey there's so many strip malls. And yes, that's, that's what I mean. I don't so care for much that. of that. But now I almost crave it because it reminds me of home when I'm yeah. out here. And we don't really like. I live in West Hollywood. We don't have a ton of chain restaurants. Here. But I like that. I like um, fresh tacos <laughs> from a stand. You have better know. taste than I do. Um, somebody <laughs> got me. Somebody got me an Olive Garden gift certificate. Yes. for Christmas. I got to use that. Like I one mean, of those card, a card, a gift card. I love a good bottomless salad and breadstick combo. <laughs> I went to the Olive Garden. It was so embarrassing, but I didn't care. Um, Annabelle DeSisto, who's been on the podcast before, is obsessed with the Olive Garden. No kidding. Yes. She's doing a live podcast for her birthday next month, and we're all going, and she wants to throw her birthday party at the Olive Garden. So it's like, it's come full circle. It's, it's full, like hip It's again. like cool now. Where when I was younger, Olive Garden wasn't cool did you have the spaghetti warehouse no that got very cool for a minute because in the spaghetti warehouse you could sit like in a trolley in the restaurant there were trolleys that sounds so cool anyway well yeah but it was the food was very olive garden-ish but it was spaghetti okay see we never got to go to those restaurants because my dad 
was like a chef and like a great he's Italian the cook. King. He's the cheese <laughs> He's the cheese man. Yeah, that's the best. And so he would always just make our Italian and like we were a little snobby with Italian restaurants. What kind of grilled cheese did you have growing up? Like grilled cheese sandwiches at home. Oh God. I feel like we didn't really have grilled cheese. You're lying. No. No, we Kettle didn't. That doesn't make any sense. You you come from a cheese family. I know we did, or we I okay, do. Did you have cheese on your omelets? Like in, in he would put um, parmesan. Always grated parmesan. parmesan okay. and, and what would you get? What would you put on your eggplant parmesan? <laughs> that would be like mozzarella. All the mozzarella. But My, wait, wait, eggplant parmesan isn't it parmesan? It's parmesan, but then you melt the mozzarella cheese. Okay, I want. I just want facts. <laughs> I'm just looking for facts. Yeah. No. And what would you would you spark you know sprinkle the stuff on your like the parmesan cheese the kind in the shaker thing or did you only have the fancy no we had the fancy the fancy yeah. like slice so you don't even know bad cheese no did you ever get the cheese in a brick you know the Velveeta in the yeah box. my mom see my mom her favorite thing to make was baked spaghetti and she'd grate like the Velveeta cheese over the baked spaghetti it oh, was wow. very well my mom is like Irish English like waspy new jersey yeah and my dad is the opposite where he's 100 well i Italian. like the high-end cheeses i mean that's i think I that's a that. treat man yeah wow yeah. I, I respect that that you that you know your cheese <laughs> oh thank you it's gotten me very far in life meatballs you guys know i do love my cheese and all this cheese talk reminds me that yes i always have it in the house and sometimes i might overindulge but I also like to work it off and I like to move around and get things going. But sometimes I don't feel like driving to a fitness studio or a yoga studio and looking for parking and putting on clothes that aren't my sweats that I like to wear around the house. So I use Yoga Glow, which if you meatballs aren't familiar with it, it's an online yoga and meditation that you can literally do anywhere. You can do it at home. You can do it if you're on a business trip in your hotel room. You can do it. I guess you could do it on a plane if you're really nice to the uh, flight attendants and ask them if you can do it in the back. You could probably do that. Um, Anyway, Yoga Glow has thousands of classes and they're all levels. You don't have to be a professional yoga instructor. You can be. Because there's rock star teachers like Catherine Budig and Elena Brower and Jason Crandall, just to name a few. But the best part is you can get unlimited access for just $18 a month. Like, that's amazing. That's less than one yoga class by me. I'm sure it's less than anything by you. So... With Yoga Glow, you can practice in your own space, on your own time. It's all up to you. Again, it's just $18 per month. And I have a special promo code for you guys. You get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash jersey. That's yogaglo.com slash jersey, J-E-R-S-E-Y, for two weeks free. That's it. Yogaglow.com slash Jersey. You could be doing yoga in your place. I'll be doing it in mine. You can write me. What's your Jersey podcast at gmail.com. Tell me about your yoga glow experiences. I'm obsessed with it and you will be too. Um, So wait, you were in Pittsburgh and did you always gravitate towards the arts? I did, but you know what? Like I grew up the youngest of six and you know, my parents, it wasn't like in their vernacular to think that, you know, somebody could go in to Los Angeles and be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. It just, when there wasn't internet and there wasn't in the old days, you see, in the olden days, we had telephones with cords on them. What's that? And (laughs) so when you grew up really in the seventies and eighties, it wasn't, you know, it didn't deem, it didn't seem possible. And so that was sort of out of my 
realm of coming to Los Angeles. I always wanted to, but I just didn't think it was possible. Then I became, I became a flight attendant out of college. Okay. Went to school at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Shout out to Duquesne. Went to listeners. many, many, many Steeler games. I've been to many, many Steeler games. In I fact, am dying to go to a Steeler game. I have a good Steeler story that I should share with you that's probably a lot more interesting than my life. Can you please tell me that story? Let's do it. Okay. One time I was at the brand new Heinz Field. It was brand new at the time. So I suppose this is like maybe 2005 or 2006, something, maybe 10, 10 years ago. And my brother and I were there for a Steeler game. Of course, the game starts at 1 p.m. So if you're a Steeler fan, then you start drinking beers in the parking lot at 10.30 for some bizarre reason. I don't know why you drink that's just what you do. in the morning. Yeah, but now that I'm away from it, I don't get that. But okay, let's say we're back in 2005. It's also cold, so that kind of so warms freezing. you up a bit. Well, but we're drinking cold beer. Yeah, that doesn't It's really freezing cold. We're in the parking lot. It's 10 a.m., whatever. The point is, the game starts at 1, and we, as soon as my brother Scotty and I get in the stadium, we take our seats. We get more beers, of course. We sit in our seats, and it's so cold, Jacqueline. It was December. It was so cold. I have on, you know, long underwear and jeans, and you get boots, and then there's a coat and another coat and a hat and a scarf, <laughs> and the warmer things that, like, have, like, charcoal on them, and your hands are black. And so we get into the stadium. Right off the bat, the, the stadium had just opened that year. The... The, the cups of beer that we got, they didn't fit in the cup holders. So this was one of the major flaws at Heinz Field when it first opened. I See, I know your guests are going to love this. Yeah. They didn't have the right size cups for the cup holders in the seats. So now you're sitting in these seats. There's nowhere to put your beverage. That's okay. Not a big deal. Except for the fact that the seats are made for children. They're so small. Uh-huh. And Pittsburgh people are generally not, They're not, not, that not as small. No. And so we were, me, neither um, my brother and I are heavy. However, we were even squeezed in and we're holding our beers. It's freezing cold and the game starts and it's a ton of fun. And we're drinking the beers and we're watching the game and it's a ton of fun. And it's very cold. Every time somebody had to pass in front of us, everybody has to stand up because it's so small and crammed in there. Anyway, it's halftime, and I have to go to the bathroom like really badly now because I've been drinking since ten like a.m. It's of two, beer two fifteen, whatever. So I say, Scotty, I'll meet you out here. So he goes, All right. So I go into the restroom. Uh-huh. I open the door to the stall. I go into the stall. I pull down my pants. I pull up my jacket. I sit on the toilet and I start peeing like so long and hard. Of course, it's now the pee is super hot and warm, and I know this because. I forgot to take down my long underwear, and there's urine streaming full force down my leg and into my boots. Oh, my (laughs) God. Anyway, it was terrible. I had to take off my boots, take off my jeans, throw away the long underwear, try to dry my pants and my boots with toilet paper. I didn't get back out until like 20 minutes later. (laughs) My brother says, where you been, fatty? Which is, you know, very Pittsburgh. Very endearing. Uh, very endearing, of course. And I'm like, don't even fucking talk to me. Don't even, you stink, man. I'm like, yeah, I know I stink. I'm not sitting beside you in those seats. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, the good news is the Steelers won that day. Yeah. So that was. That's every girl's worst nightmare when it comes to going to a sporting event. Yeah. You know, like you can only plan so much Peeing and then you your pee pants. yourself. Well, because it was so cold, I couldn't feel my legs no, to pull down my pants. you're numb. I remember I used to go to a ton of Giants games, yeah. like in the snow. Yeah, like, you can't numb. feel anything on your body. <laughs> like you're just numb. Like I honestly, I'm surprised more people just don't pee themselves to warm up. That's awful. <laughs> don't pee yourself at games. Try not to pee yourself. Try not. At least you weren't on a date. That would be embarrassing. Oh, my. 
Oh my! Right? No, just with my brother. Just that's fine. So anyway, I do love going to Steeler games, though. I still do. Of yes. course, who wouldn't? Do you have any advice for the meatballs listening? Um, if you're going to a sports game on a date, let's yeah. say, yeah, like I think you should just go with the flow and just like give in to like the fact that you might pee yourself or you might be around a bunch <laughs> no, of drunk, rowdy people. That's not going to happen. No, but you, of course you know you're you're going to a sporting event. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, like after all these years of, um, you know, because I'm old now, so I have like some a little bit of experience. I will say this. If you're a woman and you don't like golf, okay, and then you start dating a guy who golfs, you're making a mistake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So if you are a woman and you don't like football mm-hmm. and then you start going out with a guy who will never miss a game okay. and needs to go to the stadium and needs to, that's part of his life. You know what? think you're making a mistake because sports can take up so much of someone's life it's true it's like they're you know playing I mean? for the team not so much not not so much being a fan but especially playing like if you date a golfer they're gonna give up you're gonna give up every saturday for the next that my mom says when it gets eight nice hour out. game yeah it's a, or a six hour game it's a it's a day it's, it's an a event. day so if you don't want to always be saying like you know why are you going golfing again don't date the golfer. I do have to say, the main squeeze and I went to the driving range a few weekends ago. Oh, super fun. No, no, no. So it's fun. Super fun, of course. Of yeah. Course. And I love par three as well. I, you do? I actually probably play like I want to go play with you. It's super There's a fun. cool one, I think, in Los Feliz, right by where you live. Right, par three. There's only one, one about a half mile away. And another one I just discovered in Studio City called Weddington, which I really like. Oh, what's liked. that? It's just another par three place, but really, really fun and inexpensive. It's I love that. It's a great that. afternoon. I know, but I'm talking about like... Like, I play tennis. Well, guess what? I'm going to be playing tennis five days a week, two, one or two hours each time. Uh-huh. And if you're in my life, you have to accept that. That's it. Yeah. I think it's okay to have different interests, though. It is. It just depends on how long of a period, you know what I mean? If you're into thoroughbred horse racing and you're going to be going to the track every weekend, I, I don't know. It's a lot. You got to be into that. I like going to the track. I just find that whole thing about opposites attract is ridiculous. I agree. I think, I think that wears off after a while. Similarities, right? <laughs> no, it makes, it, makes it easier. I want easy. Yeah. Maybe I'm just getting old. No, I think that's such a good way to go, Jacqueline. Right? No drama. No, it's it's funny. I feel like I used to in my younger years, like the heightened drama. Yeah, almost was exciting. And it is exciting. It's adrenaline. It's adrenaline, but it doesn't last and it doesn't sustain. And I had shingles twice within a ten period. That's exciting. What the shingle? What? Is, what how does, shingles? How do you, no. What? How do you get it? What, um, why did you have it? Because of nervousness. Nervousness, and I was always like on edge and always taking on too much and had certain toxic relationships. And yeah, I got it twice before the age of thirty. Wow. Yeah. And how do you get rid of? That? Is it a virus? Or it's is it always a... dormant in your system. So as long as you've had chickenpox it's in there oh i see and that's it's right that's the one it um meatballs i don't know if any of you have had shingles but write me about your shingles experiences because it's tough because i i feel like a superhero sometimes because it's along my nerve endings that are on my chest wow and it's it always comes along my collarbone and i'll notice like a certain area getting really red when i wow. get really worked up and I, I that's like a sign for me to like chill a trigger yeah because I'm like, oh, it could, it can always come back for me. Yeah, interesting. Wow. It's weird. Yeah. It's funny. I, I don't believe in a lot of horoscope things, but they say with Geminis, their kind of, their weakness or the area on their body that's 
um, sensitive. S- sensitive is their chest, hmm. which is funny because I'm a Gemini and I get shingles on my chest. I so. never heard. I never heard of that before. But what are you? When are you born? I'm a Capricorn. You're a Capricorn. Yeah, I have the same birthday as Katie Couric and Nicolas Cage. Oh, it's very exciting. I just saw Nicolas Cage's tomb in New Orleans. What's happening? What do you mean? He bought this. Very obnoxiously large really? white pyramid. No kidding. In the, I think it's the St. Louis Part 1 Cemetery. And that's where he's going to be buried. That's where he's going to be buried. No kidding. Is he from New Orleans or? No, he just has, he loves it there. But my understanding of people buried in New Orleans is that they're not actually buried there because it's all above ground. It's all above ground, yeah. And so that it's more like. It decomposes, actually. Yeah, they there. say after like a year, mm-hmm. say they put the body in the. In the, it's called something. It's above ground, the yeah. grave. So they put the body. Isn't it a tomb? It, it's, it could be a tomb. They put the body tomb. in the tomb. Where, mm-hmm. So the body's in a casket mm-hmm. in the tomb. And then they say one year and one day after the body was there, yep. then they, they push the ashes to the back because they naturally, from the sun, mm-hmm. uh, dis- roasts them. Yeah. yeah. No, or, it's crazy. Burns them. Yeah. But what if you had a family die in a multiple car accident? Uh huh. And then how, how would you. Oh, bury God. all three in the same one. So in other words, one it's like one tomb per family. It is. And then they scrape yeah. the ashes to the back, and then they bring another they body. They put more, more room in there. But if three people were killed at once, you would just have to squeeze there them all There were in. more. There were a few in the cemetery that had, this is so morbid, but like kids that died at the same time or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I was focusing on the fact that I really had to go to the bathroom and so I wasn't paying attention. Well, if you were cold, you could just piss on yourself. That exactly. works all the time. What we've learned today. <laughs> do you enjoy walking through cemeteries? I really do. So do I. Yeah, I love it. I, I don't know what it is about it. Um, oh, but it's, just, it's people's stories. It's yeah. just looking at these lives. It's amazing. It's really cool. Have you been to the Hollywood Forever one there I on saw Barbarella there. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> but to walk around the cemetery during the day there is quite lovely. I've never done that. And they have uh, peacocks, probably 20 or 30 of them, that live there and they're cared for That's so cool. on the property of the cemetery. Yeah, they have these big cages and everything. I'm going to do that. Yeah. No, it's free. I feel like that's a good like activity to do with your friends. That's a good that's date not, night. Yeah, you date. get stoned and you walk around the cemetery. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, I um we were just talking about trying to figure out dates that don't involve just like going to restaurants and alcohol, right? And bar hopping. Right. And so like the going to play golf together, the going to like a cemetery is a great idea. I love that. Yeah. We're into it. That's a good one. And then depends on where you live. There's you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of things going on here yeah. in Los Angeles. But even if you don't live in a big city if you have a barnes and noble you can kill a lot of time there oh i could get lost in a bookstore i know right yeah they're a dying How come breed you can get lost in a bookstore like barnes and noble but you go into a library and it's not very fun it's because you gotta be i mean i guess you should be quiet in barnes and noble but like a library i feel like i'm in trouble when i'm there oh i'm always in trouble right at the library. yeah <laughs> like, always. i don't know if that's catholic guilt or just like that could, i a always lot of feel it. like i'm doing something wrong in a library when i was in high school i was a assistant librarian you know like as an activity or you know like yeah. the, one of my things was to be assistant librarian and then they fired me because the librarian said i had too many friends coming by to say hello so you're out so i was out because it's it's like out. a no fun zone. I know. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll be an office aide and do morning <laughs> announcements and you can suck on that. That's so cool. And then on senior skip day, I think we, I think you go to school, then you leave. <laughs> so you don't really skip yeah. school. It's more of a walkout. It's um, like a protest. And we put smoke bombs down the 
book deposit lit. Ooh. How incredibly not safe is that? That's, that would like burn the school down. I know. <laughs> it's okay. I know. Were you guys okay? That's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did. We just tried to, you know, smoke up the library. Ah, that's Libraries aren't your thing. No. Were you like a, a little rebellious as a kid? I was totally kid? rebellious. Yeah. I feel like by the sixth totally kid, rebellious. you're kind there's of no raising more, yourself. Yeah, there's no more parental involvement, let alone, <laughs> let alone discipline or authority. Yeah. At least in my house. But if you think about it, like my mom had me, had my oldest sister when she was 20 and me when she was 30. Okay. So she had six children under the age of 30. When she was 30 years old, she had six children. Oh my God. Within 10 years. So they were 10 and under. Wow. Six, six of them. That's, I, I can't imagine that. I know. And my dad worked all day downtown in Pittsburgh. Okay. As an accountant. And my mom, we only had one car. And so my mom, we didn't have a car at home, you know, and it was really rural, rural, rural uh, Pittsburgh in the North Hills, but not, it was suburban, but it was more rural. I mean, there weren't like sidewalks. Do you know what I mean? It was yard to yard to yard to yard. Yeah. I don't even think there were streetlights. Probably not. It was like when you, when we fly to Pittsburgh now, I go with my daughter, she looked out the window, one of the couple of, you know, a couple of years ago, she looks out the window of the plant and she says, mama, who planted all those trees? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man, but you're right. We lived in the fucking woods. You were in the sticks. I mean, but if you really, when you fly in, well, a lot of, a lot of our country, America, it is, is like either that. completely desert, you know, completely crop circles and just nothing, or woods. Western Pennsylvania is It makes woods. me, I think living in Los Angeles, though, I appreciate that much more. No, I do. I love it. But, you know, just to get... You know, from the airport to my mom's house, you have to pass like a dead deer, a dead porcupine, a dead hedgehog, three dead squirrels, two dead, you know, I mean, there's wildlife everywhere. They're coming at your car. Oh, I mean, my God. You, you, my, I don't have any siblings that haven't hit a deer. Everybody has. I, my, I knock on wood, I haven't hit a deer yet, but my dad had a deer jump on his car. See what I mean? Yeah. He was driving and all of a sudden the deer literally jumped on his windshield. All right. All your meatballs out there, you guys <laughs> should write to Jacqueline and let her know what, what you, let her know your deer experience. Yeah. Let's hear it. Hashtag it. <laughs> deer, 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 the deers. Yes. What's your Jersey podcast at gmail.com. That's it. <laughs> so you were in Pittsburgh, you were playing in the, in the sticks, you were raising yourself with your siblings, pretty basically. Much, pretty much. And then I went to Duquesne University to Duquesne. because my father worked there. Oh, okay. And we, all my siblings went there. And I graduated from school and I didn't um, really learn anything. And I was a waitress. I waitressed forever. You did? You did? Waitress? Yes. Yeah. I, I think wait- everyone should work in the should. service industry at how one many, point. Wait, how many restaurants do you think you waitressed in? Oh, my God. Um, I did a, I did waitressing, cocktail serving, bartending. I've done bottle service. At, oh, God. I've done, I could go through the list right now. It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot. I service. started... I mean, my family owned restaurants back in the day. So my first job was being a hostess at, yeah. at an Italian restaurant. Did you restaurant. ever pass out cheese? On a platter, pass out cheese on a platter. They do that, you know, the cheese, cheese (laughs) like that. They just pass it around. Actually, no, I'm sure I've done that. I've done catering. One of the coolest catering. uh, I worked at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. Oh, nice for years. And for meatballs that are unfamiliar, it's a really cool boutique hotel in Los Angeles, and it's on Alta Loma, which is a street that you're not allowed to advertise on. So it's very like private. And it's only a one way or or it's It's, a dead end. It's a dead end. And there's also a recording studio in the basement of the hotel. It's like bungalows. Yes. It's It's all these private bungalows and suites. 
suites and a lot of celebrities and artists stay there for months on end. Like you can live there. Yeah, it was famous in the 70s, right? Well, it was first the owner would, because it's kind of across from the comedy store, right. he would let like Bette Midler and um, like Gilda Radner and certain comedians stay there that didn't have a place to live, but they would have to perform comedy around the pool for wow, the guests. That is too funny. Which is so cool. They have amazing art uh, exhibits there as well. Oh, yeah. No. So the photography. What were going to say, though, about... So one of the parties I worked, one of the coolest parties, it was during award season, and it was right before the Emmys. So it was a lot of television people, and I was just walking around with a bottle of champagne, and I just had to refill glasses. Yeah. And Connie Britton. Do you know Connie yeah, Britton? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, Friday Night long, Lights. Beautiful hair. Beautiful. Nashville. Yeah, beautiful. I had never met her before, and she is just so naturally stunning in person yeah, and bet. just has this aura about her. I bet. And I walk up to her, and she didn't have a glass in her hand, and I was like, oh, I'll get you a glass. And she literally put her two hands out and was like, just pour it in. Go for it. Get out of here. And literally that's let hilarious. me pour champagne into wow. her hands, and she sipped it out. Like, that's a cool chick right wow, there. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. I remember also, I grew up, for some reason, Sharon Stone was always someone that I just thought was gorgeous and yeah. really cool yeah um and at that same party i remember feeling a presence behind me and it was packed with celebrities and i turned around and she again was just wearing like one of those mock turtlenecks and not yeah. all done up in a gown had her hair slicked back i've never felt just like that star power but she's like six foot two so she's quite a presence right or six she, foot anyway yeah she's she's a good height i walked in on her doing cocaine one time at the chateau marmont <laughs> There now, you go. I want to hear that story. It's one of my best Hollywood stories. What? I was at Aisha Tyler's birthday party at the Chateau Marmont, sponsored by Xbox or one of the gaming systems. Okay. So a lot of people were playing games. They had rented out one of the hotel rooms or a couple of the hotel rooms or, you know, an area of yeah. the hotel. And a lot of people were out in the balcony. And then a lot of people were gaming. And then there was a bathroom. And uh, there was a... I'm trying to think how it went down. There was a line at one of the bathrooms, and so I asked an employee, hey, is there any other bathroom I can go to? He goes, oh, yeah, right over there, and he pointed, and I opened the door, and there were probably three or four women in there, and one was Sharon Stone, and she had just picked up her head like, (laughs) and I said, I'm so sorry, excuse me. Wow. That was exciting. What year was that? Was that, that would be ago? okay. That was, I'm going to go 1999, okay, or 2000 or 2000. I'm going to say 99 or 2000. Maybe a she was long, just doing like character work for long a casino time ago. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Whatever. Do you, girl? Yeah, whatever, <laughs> man. I'm not judging. I just was interesting. I feel like living here for so long and being in the industry, you become kind of numb to that stuff, though. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's that unusual to see celebrities, and I don't think it's all that unusual to see people drink alcohol or smoke pot or do any drugs really and so i mean you know it was just it was just uh yeah it was kind of a i just moved to la so it was sort of a welcoming (laughs) a funny thing i have a friend who he has a cool story about um he's a really amazing musician and he was at chateau marmont and candace bushnell who wrote the whole sex Sex in the the city it was right I think it was right when Sex and the City first came out. So she wasn't like famous yet, but he just met this like beautiful blonde and 
they had like a rendezvous and a night and he just played piano for her and he just said she that's was wonderful. really cool and, wow that's great yeah that's I'll, a good star story i'll have him on the podcast meatballs yeah. he'll tell the story much better than that's <laughs> i good. did that's a good story so wait you were a flight attendant so how did this happen for seven years well i was waitressing for so long okay and so i thought when i was 22 i graduated from college and yeah and i had seen a, an ad in the pittsburgh post-gazette looking for flight attendants to go to an open house you know for u.s air at the time the mm. name of the airline was u.s air and you would go to this open house and then they would choose who they wanted to interview from there so it's kind of an airline process it's a typical way of hiring it's not just u.s air all airlines do it and in fact i had wanted to be a flight attendant i always forget this part of the story but i had wanted to be a flight attendant for a while and i knew i wanted u.s air u.s air because they were based in pittsburgh so i purposefully uh first i was gonna say auditioned i first interviewed for um for American Airlines and then for United. Okay. And I went to Dallas and I went to Chicago to both those cities for, you know, interviews. I didn't get the job with American, but I did get the job with United. But I just did that to practice interviewing for mm-hmm. an airline because it's very specific when you interview. I mean, all job categories have different, obviously. You know, you should learn about the job before you apply for it, obviously. And flight attendant auditioning or interviewing is very specific, you know, because it's competitive. It's super competitive. One of the things is that you, at least at that time, you had to have a college education. I mean, there was just, you're not going to be a flight attendant without your college degree because everybody, because they could, you know, why wouldn't they be that discerning? Yeah. So anyway, I just figured since I could waitress on the ground, you know, I could clearly, I could waitress in the air, you know, with benefits because it's really the job. It's customer service. It's definitely customer service. And you get to travel and you get to see the world. Would you get time off? Or yeah, yeah, was yeah, it- yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there was tons of lots of, not lots, but yeah. I mean, you always, at least when I was a flight attendant, uh, unfortunately, I never had a schedule or a block or a line. So I didn't know when I was exactly flying. Mm-hmm. I had to carry a beeper. And when the beeper <laughs> would go off, I'd have, I have to call scheduling from a payphone, wherever that was. And then I'd have one hour to get to the airport. I want someone or you to write a movie of your life. It was I'm insane. picturing it was this like an scene insane, right now. Insane. And I have another story about being in a Steeler game and having to leave because my beeper went off. I have a whole other story about that, which just occurred to me. Did people think you were like Steelers. a high demand doctor or like surgeon? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, I have no, to go into you know surgery. It's so funny. You would get to the plane. Like, let's say you had a quick call like that and you had one hour to get to the plane. And, you know, I would change in my car, take off my clothes, put on my put on the uniform and the stupid navy pantyhose and you'd have to wear high Ugh. heels and your button down shirt and a double breasted blazer and this crazy bow tie and slick your hair back and these earrings and makeup. And you would then you'd get to the airport, park your car, take the employee bus to the terminal. You'd blaze through security. You'd run down the concourse in your high heels and you'd get onto the plane and all the p- passengers would already be on the plane because mm-hmm. you, you, you've been quick called because somebody didn't show up or somebody got sick or somebody got into an accident. There was something went wrong where the crew isn't there. Okay. And you would get onto that plane and those passengers would glare at you with daggers in their eyes as if you were the reason why they're late. And you would want to turn to them and oh. say, oh, no, you guys, I'm not the reason why you're late. In fact, I'm the reason why you're taking off at all. <laughs> but you don't say that. You say... Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Hello. Welcome aboard. Oh, God. It's a funny job. It's a funny job. I don't know about when you were doing it, but recently especially, I've been seeing more and more fights on planes. Wow. Well, maybe just because of the, you know, the cameras 
Yeah. Since everybody has a camera on them now. I mean, social media gets the word around. I think a lot of things happened. Every day on the Daily Mail, there's a new airplane fight. There's one today I was looking at on Southwest. It was a flight from Dallas to LA, and I think it was delayed an hour. And yeah, just punching. Like, this is. People are tough on airplanes because it's everything is out of your control. Yeah, that's <laughs> and true. So you have no cards. There's nothing you can do. No, you have no cards. You wanna you wanna make a scene. You wanna be a dick. Well, you can do that, but you're not gonna win. Because, no. You know, later maybe you'll get you know reimbursed for, by somebody somewhere somehow. But for the most part, you just have to swallow a lot when you fly. Did you ever get really, really bad turbulence where you were like, oh, this is it? Yeah. Well, I would never say this is it, but I, but I definitely had a lot of bad turbulence, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of, a lot of stuff, man. Cause I flew so much. I would fly. I figured it out one time. I would fly about 500 flights a year and I flew for seven years. <sighs> so I know for a fact I've been on at least like 3,000, 4,000 air, airplanes. Now they're. Of course, I still have friends that are flight attendants. Big shout out, Jim Dillon. What up, Jim? I mean, Jim? he's been flying for 30 fucking years. I mean, so this isn't uncommon. Does that take a toll on your body or do you just get used to it? No, I think it does take a toll on your body. And I think I could handle it because I was in my 20s. But it is hard <laughs> and it's, you know, really drying on your skin and all that stuff. We did, I mean, this is nothing compared to your 3,000 flights, but when I did the military tour, yeah, we... Right. Um, I think we did seven or eight countries. So we did like 12 flights in like a three week period. It's a lot. And it was a lot. I mean, it did become routine, but I remember there was a point, it was a tiny little plane and we were flying out to, I think, Lipson, Portugal. And there was a point where literally the plane was sideways and we all looked at each other like, well, this has been fun. And that's a horrible, horrible feeling. It was so scary. Yeah, I don't really care for the tiny planes but like that. they said that the flight attendants seemed to think it was normal. And they were like, no, it's just always windy here when we fly in. So, like, they weren't freaking out. Yeah. But wow. I couldn't handle that there on a daily basis. There are certain airports basis. that are, you know, really precarious coming in. Burbank is actually one. There's yeah. often turbulence coming in. I've never in. flown into Burbank. What's that? I've never flown <gasps> into Burbank. Oh, wow. You have so much to look forward to. I know, to. guys. It's a really good experience. It's I've like, shot something there. It's so small oh good yeah what were you shooting (laughs) we literally we were i used to do a lot of parody like rap music videos and we no i did not no okay yeah that's cool (laughs) yeah i always wanted to be a pop star okay Um, oh i see interesting so instead i did comedy and just do music videos um and make fun of pop stars i'll have to look i'll have to look at them um so we were doing a parody of macklemore's can't hold us and it was about flaky people it was called can't meet us i think so funny and one of the ones was about like getting left at an airport or like someone not picking you up yeah and we were like how are we gonna shoot in an airport yeah. and we literally with just our director who had like a handheld camera and shout out to carlo alberto Arrecchia. he's now like an emmy award-winning yeah director amazing no permit no permit nothing um oh aaron fradkin i think actually shot that anyway no permit no anything but we literally had no tickets <laughs> just walked up to baggage claim and just shot a bunch of stuff. No big deal. We blurred out people's faces. And wow, you did not blur out people's faces. Yeah, no, it's funny. <laughs> if you didn't get a permit, you're not going to take the time to blur out people's faces. I think they were just fuzzy, actually. <laughs> I think it was just it like was just they were just out of focus. <laughs> Whatever. Um, that's fine. You're yeah, so funny. Yeah, the meatballs. So I, I flew for up. seven years, and yeah. then I decided to join the Peace Corps. Because That's so crazy, yeah, it was crazy. I was. 30, but did 30 you always years want to join the Peace Corps? How did uh, this no, come I about? had. I had wanted to join, but I was flying and I was making money. 
uh, and I, you know, but I, I, I also was dating a lot of people. Yeah. I was never in one place for more than a day or two. I had three boyfriends in three states. You were like, catch me if you can. It was crazy talk. Right. And you know what? I, of course, you know, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Like I definitely wanted to serve, but I also just needed a rest. Mm-hmm. Like I just needed to go chill out yeah. in the Peace Corps for a few years and like kind of stop the, the, uh, the, the pace I was at. So I did that. It took a long time to get into the Peace Corps. Again, very competitive. Uh, not All of an this easy is process. prepping you for auditioning out here. I, I swear like. to God, right? I know. So that, so, uh, but it's a long. It's like a year-long process. I didn't know it was that long. To the Peace Corps it was for me, per, per, perhaps because I had no skills. Like they gave me the list of the perhaps 50 careers you could be, you know, you could focus on in the Peace Corps. But I didn't know anything about animal husbandry or small business management or computer science or, you know, fishing or construction or nursing, or I just didn't have many skills. And so then customer service, right. And then the Peace Corps, um, the recruiter at the university of Pittsburgh, she said, well, Christine, you do speak English. I thought, wow, that was an epiphany, which was very exciting. She said, you could teach English as a second language. And then she said, you have to go get certified. Uh So I did whatever. Three months later, I came back with a certificate. And I said, look, Melissa, here, you know, I'm certified. Let's go, man. I'm on the next, next plan out. I'm ready. She said, no, no, no. You have to go out and volunteer now for six months teaching English because you've never even done it before. And why? Like the Peace Corps can be so selective because... They probably get 20,000 applicants a year and they select say. about 3,000, but they can be that selective. And so they want to know that you can commit to being overseas for over two years. I mean, if you can't commit to volunteering for six months in your neighborhood, what makes you think you're going to be able to last, you know, somewhere where it's not very comfortable, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, anyway, so that, so I did that. So I had to, you know, teach and volunteer for six months and then I went back again and then finally they she nominated me I had to go to New York City to the World Trade Center actually only on the ninth floor which is interesting was the Peace Corps offices interview there and then they selected me wow I know so it was a long process and at first I was going to Sri Lanka which I was very excited about which is you know south of India Mm -hmm. and I really was looking for I really wanted to go there and then that's what the plan was. And I got these Singhalese books and I got all this stuff and I was, you know, getting rid of my apartment, my car, gave up my notice at my job as a flight attendant. And then I got this phone call one day on my answering machine from the Peace Corps. And it was like, beep. Hey, Christine, it's Susie over at the Peace Corps. Listen. And it was Melissa. Hey, Christine, it's Melissa over at the Peace Corps office. Listen, uh, we canceled your class to go to Sri Lanka because of some violence. But the Tamil Tigers had started some more violence. And so we canceled your class. But we're going to get back with you next spring. And maybe we can place you then. And I remember calling Melissa back and saying, no, no, Melissa, I gave up my apartment. I have to be out of here like in three weeks. And I'm sold my car and I'm not I'm not going to be flying anymore and I gave up you know and then she said um, well hold on and about maybe the next day or two days later she called back and she said okay we have a position for you in Tonga is that where is that I know I said that's <laughs> awesome I want to go to Africa and she said well it's not in Africa that's Togo it's oh. in the South Pacific oh okay 
So that's where I went to the kingdom of Tonga. So is it more like Polynesian? It's 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 Tongan. So it's Tongan. Yeah, it's south of Fiji, north of New Zealand. Yeah, it's Polynesian. The language it is sounds- Tongan, and it's it's a Polynesian kind of language where like every other letter is a vowel. So they would say malolele, fefehake, like Hawaiian, aloha. Everything is mahalo. Da, da, da. So everything pretty. is every other. Yeah, fayeko. Everything is um. It's very melodic. Yeah, they don't have. They have maybe 23 of the letters we have. So it's not identical. Okay. Um, anyway, so Tonga, yeah, it's in the... It's, Did you have to read, like, Tongan for dummies, like, before you oh, went Oh, they there? didn't have that book, yeah. <laughs> it's such a small nation. There's only yeah. about 100,000 people there. So it's such a tiny little nation. How did you like it? Everybody that... Um, everybody in the country could fit in the Rose Bowl. So pic- picture the Rose Bowl. Fill and it that's up. Their population. That, there you go. That's wow. Tonga. So it's a small nation. So I'm sure there are. Well, see now the internet. Of course, everything would be in front of you. Yeah. But at that time, there really I couldn't find any books on Tonga. I'd see it like in an encyclopedia, you know where it was and know a little bit about it. But I didn't know hardly any. Never hear about it. Well, no, because there's nobody there. <laughs> so there's nothing to report. There's nothing to report. <laughs> I mean, really, there's. It's very um, primitive. Wait. So isn't that where you weren't? There that long though. I wasn't there long, no, because <laughs> listen, we gotta wrap how long is this podcast? <laughs> Three, four weeks? Oh, we're at an hour. Oh, well, see, yeah, we yeah. gotta wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't there long. I was supposed to be there over two years, but I was only there over two months, maybe ten weeks, and I got very, very sick and had to be medevaced out. And so they sent me to Hawaii because that's the closest state, you know? Yeah. And then in Hawaii I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was like it wasn't just like a little thing. It was a big thing. It was a huge thing. Very unexpected. Especially because I'd had a thorough medical exam before I went into the Peace Corps and all that stuff. So Where it was, was very, it? it was in my kidney. Oh my God. Yeah, very rare tumor. Called a Wilms tumor. A Wilms tumor. Super rare. Yeah, an adult Wilms tumor. Super rare. For and did adults. you go back home after that? I went to, no, I went to DC and I had um, a nephrectomy there. At Georgetown University Hospital. Oh my gosh! Then I went back to Pittsburgh for chemotherapy, and the name of my oncologist at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. I can't make this up. You can't make this up, Jacqueline. Why would I lie to you? You know what his name was? What? Doctor Donald Trump. What? I shit you not. I wrote an article for it in the Huffington Post. I wrote the article is called "Donald Trump Saved My Life." <laughs> Because he did, but you're the a different only Donald person Trump. who could see that. Isn't that, isn't that funny? And wow. he's still a really, he's actually kind of a famous oncologist Is he now. still in Pittsburgh? No, he's in Virginia. Oh, I think, in, I think maybe around D.C. Maybe in D.C. Oh, man. I know, right? So anyway, it was after that, that being sick for about seven months or, you know, kind of dealing with cancer for seven, eight months. You know, you have to, there's a period of time. There's surgery. There's chemo. There's, you know, there's this whole process. People know that. Yeah. Then I decided... To come out to Los Angeles because I couldn't go back to the Peace Corps. They wouldn't let you back in? No, because you have to have, I had to have CAT scans every six months yeah. and I had to get, no, they, they didn't even have electricity in Tonga <laughs> when I was there. And then, uh, but I didn't know that. I thought I was going back. You thought you were going back? Yeah, of course. I wanted to, of course. A year after, actually, I did go back. Okay. And I still have, my hair wasn't even growing in. Wow. I was, because I lost all my hair for, through chemo. Um, but I did go back for a month. And saw all my friends on my on my dollar. You know, Aww. it's expensive to go to Tonga because there's well, yeah, only there's like, four be like one flight a, flight a month. Exactly. <laughs> there's nobody right. The airports are closed on Sundays, literally. Yeah, there's no flying on Sundays. And you were medevaced out, so that's scary. Thank God yeah. it wasn't on a Sunday. 
Thank God. Yeah. I mean, actually, will, you know, well, was it? No, it wasn't because there were no flights. It happened. They they, they wanted. They decided to medevac me out on a Saturday, uh-huh. but I couldn't go till Monday because there are no planes in Tongash. Airport is closed. We closed the airport. That is so scary. It's a weird place, man. Wow, it's I feel a beautiful like, place, but it's really. It sounds beautiful. Very, very different. I feel like you have such willpower, though. Like after something like that happened, yeah. Did it just make you be like, I'm just gonna do what I want now. Well, it just kind of, you kind of have this because you told this story on my, on my show about sudden death mm-hmm. where it just, at the end of the day, you realize like, oh shit, man, anything could happen. And you start realizing like, nobody's getting out of here alive and there's no reason why any of us couldn't drop dead today. Yeah, there's no reason. Exactly. And especially the world we're living in and the violence we have to see every day on TV and just bizarre things that happen you just we have to live like right now like right now in the moment like what are you waiting for what are we waiting for right so I'd always wanted to come to Los Angeles but I was afraid you know I didn't have enough confidence I was more I was more willing to go to a third world country than to come here Mm -hmm. at one point that's so funny Pittsburgh shelters you at least it sheltered me okay you know what I mean because it's so comfortable there it's so easy there it would be very easy to to raise a family and have like a normal happy life exactly not come out here step outside your comfort zone right and you know now of course I love it but it's hard you know in the financially etc you know I was just talking because right now we both have like moves coming up and there's a lot of change going on in my life at the moment and I, I had a little bit of like, not a panic attack, but kind of on Sunday night yeah. after the Oscars, like just worrying about moving and new job and just a lot of new stuff. Yeah. And I had to step back and be like, why am I living in fear of all this? Like, I just need to like go for it and embrace the change and not yeah. be so scared. But it's normal. Change is always, um, it always ends up being good somehow, I think. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's easy to go through. So I think you just have to have compassion for yourself. Or at least I try to do that for myself. Like sometimes I'll just say, you know what? I'm just going to cry right now. I'm just going to have to cry for about 10 minutes and then I'm going to move on. But like, don't be so sad about crying. Just be like, it's a normal process. Well, I feel like I've heard you give advice about telling stories, how you just have to jump right in. Oh, yeah, you do. And with you just life, go right you to peeing gotta... in your boot at a Steeler game. <laughs> exactly. Just start urinating right away. So you came to LA. You were doing the acting thing. Yeah, I was trying. Well, see, I couldn't. I didn't have any hair when I moved here, uh-huh. so there was no way to get any headshots for several years. Uh, and so for so probably what were you three, doing? three years, a stand-up comedy. You were stand-up. doing stand-up. I okay. did stand-up in Pittsburgh as well, uh, but not a lot because there was only really the Funny Bone open mic. Improv. You know? Yeah, and it was the well. Now there's an improv there, but at yeah. that time there was only this one little club called the Funny Bone, which I have many, many fond memories. At, Shout uh, out to of, the Funny Bone. Yeah, man. Well, it's not there anymore. But anyway, the point is, I could only do it once a week. Yeah. But when I came out to LA, I started doing it a lot more, like every night, every night for years. I know. And I never got funny. That's the thing. <laughs> You're funny. That's how they get you. Yeah. It's so hard. Stand-up comedy is indeed the hardest thing. And I found that storytelling is a little bit easier because Why is it's it easier? similar, but you don't have to, obviously, you don't have to wait for a joke to land. That's true. You just keep going. Well, you just, it's not about the jokes. So anyway, but, um, 
<laughs> so I, I still love comedy. I have mostly comedians on my show. You do. I I'm noticed a big that. fan of comics. Who are some of your favorite comics you've had on besides Jacqueline Marfuji? Oh, besides Jacqueline Marfuji, <laughs> well, Rachel O'Brien, of yeah, course. Rachel's oh, great. She's adorable. Mm-hmm. I've had on so many wonderful people. I've had on Wayne Fetterman, Randy Sklar. Um, I love your Mindy Rickles episode. My which one? Mindy Rickles. Mindy Rickles is so funny. <laughs> I love is, her. She's a pip. She's the best. <laughs> I love Jack, Jackie Cation, of course. I love her. Yeah. There's been some great storytellers on my show, man. Really good. Just last week, a guy named Christopher Brune Haran was on. Uh-huh. And he isn't like a famous guy, but he's... He's, you know, doing very well for himself here in Los Angeles as a writer and a storyteller. He produces some shows. And he told a really touching story uh, about, you know, becoming a foster parent and then, you know, losing a child. And it was, like, really intense. So there was an example of a story that, you know, wasn't haha funny. But, man, oh, man, you can't stop listening once you start listening to this guy speak. I mean, it's just, it's just so engaging. So I like that idea that there's storytelling can be many different things I like that too I think do you have any advice if someone just wants to tell a story about one little isolated incident yes first of all when you're looking at the person across from you and you start telling them their story okay Mm -hmm. just start telling them your story just just like you think you would tell it that night right and as soon as you see your friend their face will change it will change when your story gets interesting and make a note. That's where you should have started your story. <laughs> I was listening. I think Whitney Cummings was on a podcast and she was talking about how we edit our stories every time we tell them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, and you notice like, oh, I got to laugh here. Like not even talking about doing stand up or anything. Right. Just normal people in everyday life. Right. And your story kind of evolves as you tell it. Well, and also, you know, you try to omit words take words out. People can jump ahead so much faster than you think. And you don't have to say, I was so excited because we hear that in your voice. Yeah. So just say the sentence instead of saying that you are excited. Just, just say it. You yeah. You don't, have I to said tell it us. about 10 times you don't have to tell at the beginning of this what podcast. You're, guys. What you're feeling. You're already showing us that with your, with your words. Do you think it's a nervous crutch? And that's why people oh, yeah. put people in all the say, words? Oh, people say so many funny things. Because I edit my show pretty heavily. And I am constantly taking out people saying things, you know, like, yeah, or a, or anyway. The, anyway. the word like, I listen like, to podcasts. Like, I, like, yeah. I try so to clip annoying. all those out if I can. Wow, you're good. I know. That's there's a lot. Different, there's different kinds of editing on different shows. There's like a light editing and a medium editing and a, and a heavy editing. My show is kind of a heavy edit. I know. I'm excited to listen to the episode. Your episode's going to be so good. Jacqueline Marfuji. Yes, you are. On March 5th. Well, it's Sunday March death. 6th today. Okay, so it was on yesterday. It's it still was there. on yesterday? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. I know. Wait, no, wait, no, 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 no. March 12th. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, March 12th. No, it's up March 12th. You're up next week. I love it. You're up next week. Do you... I've had a lot of um, people write in about um, telling stories on dates. Do you have any advice for... Yeah, don't talk about your ex on a date. Okay. Honestly, that's the worst. When somebody brings up their their exes, like that's going to come up at some point for sure. Everybody wants to know what happened before. You know, why are you single now or what is your experience? But don't talk about, don't talk about your exes on dates. It's just not a good, not a good look. It isn't. I want to know what uh, Christine Blackburn is going to be doing in five years. Well, I better have two television shows. Okay, I mean, so not that's just the goal? not just yeah. There's two coming up. One is my talk show, my my talk show, Jesus, my podcast, Storyworthy, which just is seamlessly a television show. It's seamless. I yeah. introduce the show. The storyteller comes on and tells a ten minute uninterrupted story. 
I ask them questions about that story. We talk about their latest projects and we're out. That's a 30 minute quick show. That should be on Netflix yesterday. We're working on it. The if anyone's show, listening from Netflix. <laughs> the other show is um, Story Smash, my game show, which I love so much. It's called Story Smash, the storytelling game show. When's the next one at the Improv? March 24th. It's a Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And we've got Danny Zucker and Mary Lynn Rice Cub as the judges. Ooh, and some fantastic contestants. Awesome. Uh, Brian Finkelstein, Jenna, Jenna Brister, and also um, uh, John Gabris. They've all been past Story Smash winners before. So we've got three former reigning champs coming in, all to play on this one night. So they spin a wheel. They spin a wheel. I have okay. a giant prize wheel. They spin, the pri- they spin the wheel, and whatever it lands on, that's the story they tell. They have either one minute or two minutes, or if they get into the final round, they have three minutes to tell that story. So they might land on pets or vacation or mom or passport or drunk tank or Hollyweird or growing up and whatever they land on go. And the idea is that everybody has a story. If you land on kids and you don't have kids, you still have a kid's story. Oh yeah, of course. And any three kids. Well, you, everybody, right. And everybody yeah, everyone a was a kid. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's a couple of spaces that just say audience. And if they, if the contestant lands on audience, then the audience shouts out what story they would like to hear right then and there. And the, and the judges choose the story. So when the story is over in one or two minutes, then the judges comment on the story. So in a one hour show, there's really only 20 minutes of storytelling, <laughs> which is awesome. It's more about the banter of the judges and the contestants. I think that's the most fun part. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen, honestly. And I'd love you to be a contestant on the show. Oh, well, thank you. We're going I'd to be at the Festival it. of Books as well here in Los Angeles on Sunday, April 22nd Ooh, down at USC. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big crowd and uh, it's a free event as well. So that'll be so that'll be fun. So everyone check it out. Yeah, come. I love it. Um, I don't want you to go and I could talk to you for hours, no, but you have go. a life. We got to go. 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 Yeah, go. <laughs> I'm happy to be You're with you. You're such really. an amazing Thank guest. You. Thank fun. you so much for being here. We normally do a Just Enough with Jacqueline segment where we talk Just Enough sports, but I feel like we wove sports into the whole podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Right? We talked about Heinz Field and Three Rivers Stadium. Yeah. yeah. We learned about what you should do at a football game. Yeah. On dates, what you should do besides going to restaurants. We talked about golfing. Yeah. It's fine. We got Just Enough in there. I was yeah. gonna talk all the march madness um stuff with you but i'll save that for next week okay it'll be fine okay. so meatballs you have some march madness uh tips and um whatnot coming for you uh christine pimp yourself out tell the meatballs where they can find you okay you can go to storyworthypodcast.com and uh, also follow me on twitter at storyworthy that's yes. all and she's going to maybe join Snapchat soon. Maybe. We'll <laughs> maybe. see. We know. haven't decided. Let's see if I catch up with the kids. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. You're awesome. I can't wait to do your show. And Meatballs, I'll be posting this episode and the story-worthy episode of Christine's that I did. They're coming out the same week. Uh, also, thank you to Yoga Glow for sponsoring this podcast. Again, your promo code at yogaglow.com slash jersey, J-E-R-S-E-Y. Um, meatballs thank you so much for listening and reading and subscribing i i love you guys and i love getting messages from you and i hope you have an amazing weekend and i'm jacqueline marfuji this is what's your jersey and i'll catch you on the flip side bye just put your paws up because you were born this way baby
me when I'm 